0: Welcome back. Happy Sabbath. And we are now on week three of our Christian question mark series. If you remember the, um, the, the first week, we talked about the great question who do people say that I am, said Jesus. In week two, we talked about where the label came from and the fact that we needed a new word to be able to understand what was going on, something that separated them from the Jewish community and gave new meaning and new thought to the way that they were living, the way that they were behaving, and the way that they were experiencing and expressing the love of God that they had found through Jesus Christ. And today we talk about what this means, and why it changes us. And so I know we want to just jump into things, but a couple things as we get, as we move forward. We want to make sure that you register for Easter if you're coming. That's really important for Friday night and for Saturday morning. And as you know, some of those services have already filled up. So if you haven't done it, make sure you go today and register for our Easter service that's coming up in the first weekend of April. And secondly, thank you for being here Let's take a breath, because it is Sabbath, and we get an opportunity to rest, to be with one another, and to grow in the Word. Now, here's a question I have for you. Have you ever been on the Today I Learned Reddit? And I know those are a lot of words that maybe we wouldn't have used 20 years ago, but today there's this thing called Reddit. If you don't know about it, go, well, maybe don't go check it out. I don't know. It's got a lot of information about a lot of different stuff. And there's this one particular forum, this one particular section that people post the things that they learned that day. So they call it Today I Learned. And sometimes this information changes these people, and sometimes it doesn't change them very much. So I thought I'd bring you some that I found relatively interesting. I don't know if they changed my life or not. But the first one is this. Today I learned octopus sometimes punch fish. That's right. They sometimes do it. The hypothesis is that the octopus is punching the fish out of spite to punish it. Research suggests that the octopus's brain, octopi, brain, though drastically different than ours, is capable of complex behavior and cognition. Fascinating. Second one is, today I learned Sir Isaac Newton was in quarantine. That's right. At 23 years of age, Isaac Newton went into quarantine due to the bubonic plague. During that time in quarantine, he proved the refractive properties of prisms, invented calculus, and was famously hit on the head by an apple. I don't know what you did over this last year. I'm betting it's not nearly as much as Sir Isaac Newton did. Uh, The last one I thought was interesting was, today I learned Abraham Lincoln was a licensed bartender. So you see, not all information that we learn changes us completely. However, some information does. I don't know if you remember Galileo. And I'm not going to go into a history lesson because you can look him up and there's lots of information out there. But his discoveries with the telescope revolutionized astronomy and paved the way for the acceptance of the Copernican heliocentric system. In other words, the idea that the earth rotates or revolves around the sun. But his advocacy of this system eventually resulted in an inquisition process against him, and we all know how that ended up. And we forget how revolutionary this idea was because sometimes some ideas seem commonplace when they're truly revolutionary. Now uh, let me give you an example of this. Cell phones, internet, commonplace now, but do you remember when they were new? Do you remember when they changed everything? How about this? Microwaves for those who are a little bit older. How about this for those who are maybe even a little bit older? Remote controls. I used to be my dad's remote control until we bought a remote control where he could sit there and just click. And it would click physically. Click, click. And you would see that thing turn. But the problem is this, information, when ubiquitous, ceases to feel revolutionary. In other words, when it's all over the place, when it's just something that is so commonplace that we just simply understand it, it ceases to be revolutionary in the way that it was when we first came across it. Therefore, it becomes easy to forget. So what does any of this have to do with being a Christian? Right, that was a nice introduction. Um, But I'm glad you asked, because it has everything to do with being a Christian. You see, there is a truth that changes everything. You know it. God loves you. He lives for you. He died for you. And he gave you salvation through that work. And this changed everything that you can imagine. And it did for those first followers of Christ as well. Peter, you know him. Peter was a first follower of Christ. Sometimes we call him Cephas. He was a first follower, as was Saul, or who we call Paul. Much of the same background, but different trajectories. But when their trajectories intersected, fireworks. And so we jump into the story at a pivotal moment. Right? We talked about Antioch last week. But now Peter comes to visit and everything is going well. Well, until it wasn't anymore. So we're going to start in Galatians chapter 2, verse 11. It starts like this. But when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face. Now this is Paul speaking. Right? He said, I had to oppose him to his face. That's not just talking behind somebody's back. That means that they're doing something so egregiously wrong that you've got to stop it in its tracks. He said, I had to oppose him to his face for what he did was very wrong. Paul was always an outspoken guy, but now there's an issue. So we move on to verse 12. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised. But afterwards, when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. Paul actually lays it out for us. Peter believed in a gospel that changed everything until he didn't. He got scared of criticism and he forgot that those old things he had put away, and he now has a new identity. He now has a more inclusive identity that allowed for things like dinner with Gentiles, where he couldn't do it before. Now, we quickly move over to that discussion of circumcision, right? Because that's a little more maybe interesting. I don't know. Um, but, but circumcision is really just a placeholder for tradition and law, right? Right? And one of the things we say here at Crosswalk, I don't know if we say it, but I say it, is that sometimes tradition honors the dead while our ongoing practice honors the living. And so what Peter was doing is Peter was falling back. He was recidivizing into the things that he had done before when he was simply a Jew and not a follower of Christ. Those things that had kept him safe, at least in his mind, for salvation before he met Jesus. And remember, he was a huge proponent of Jesus and pushed very strongly on the fact of, well, we remember, who do people say that I am? Peter says, you're you're the son of God, son of the living God. You're the guy, you're the one. But now he's falling back into old habits because he's afraid of the criticism that would come to him. But see, there's, there's more that's going on. And Paul continues to explain it to us. You see, as a result, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy. And even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. See, when a leader does this, when a leader falls back, when a leader falls, maybe in our terms, it would be falling into like perfectionism or, or traditionalism or some sort of idea that, that there's something else that might save us a little bit more, a little bit better than the cross of Christ, or that there's people that don't really belong into the kingdom of God, and so we need to make sure we keep them away a little bit. Uh, let, let's make it really simple, right? Fashion is a good example of this. When, when there's somebody that you admire and you see them wearing a certain thing, you have a tendency to wear that certain thing in that certain same way until you get too old and you can't figure out why anybody dresses the way they do and you just buy a pair of Dockers, which is okay. We're fans of Dockers here. So there's this cascading hypocrisy, we could say, that started because Peter forgot where his identity lay. Let's turn to verse 14. When I saw that they were not following the truth of the gospel message, I said to Peter, now I'm speaking as Paul, of course, I said to Peter in front of all the others, so now he's not just confronting him face to face, he's confronting him face to face in front of a bunch of other faces, in front of a bunch of other people. And he said this Listen, since you, a Jew by birth, have discarded the Jewish laws and are living like a Gentile, why are you now trying to make these Gentiles follow the Jewish traditions? So he calls him out publicly. You see, here's the thing. Paul never questioned his identity, but he wanted to push back on Peter. Paul never questioned his new identity, but why? Why would Peter and why would not Paul? Here's the reason why I think Paul didn't question his new identity. First of all, he had given up so much. When you lose everything to follow Christ, you know what you gave up. When you grew into it, sometimes you don't see the same value. That's a lesson for us. Now, that's not saying that Peter didn't give up a lot too, because he did, but he was still deeply invested in the Jewish community, and Paul had been outside of it because he had moved away. Number two, Paul was only interested in one label. He was a follower of Christ, so that was all that mattered to him And he knew that there were implications, and he was willing to live by those implications, even implications by the people who loved him and whom he loved. Peter struggled with that a bit more. And number three, Paul was too focused on Christ to serve two masters. All his attention was on Christ, so he didn't worry about the other previous labels or identities that he might have had. He wasn't trying to preserve anything from before. He was willing to let it go and just simply be a follower of Christ. But he reminds Peter of this. He says, listen, you and I are Jews by birth, not sinners like the Gentiles. So now he's bringing Peter in to the argument. He's reminding them of how they are supposed to live. And so he continues in verse 16, and he says, yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we have obeyed the law. No one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. Here's the crux, right? He gives the gospel message in just a few sentences. There are a few better explanations of the gospel than this text right here. What do you believe in? This is what we believe in, that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we have obeyed the law. No one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. For remember, for Paul, the law had one function and one function only, to remind us of what our sin was but it was not a salvific it was not a saving law it never had been but when you remember the gospel like this so clear so unadulterated you should know that there are implications and they are significant those implications you see with a new focus a new object of faith there are new rules And once you know the new rules playing by the old ones don't make any sense anymore. I've told this story before, so I I won't belabor it by any means. But when I was in college, I got to teach elementary school PE. This woman had gone on on um, maternity leave, and so I got an opportunity to teach her classes, and the first time we played kickball, I rolled the ball down as I was designated pitcher, and a kid kicked the ball, and he ran to third base, and I was like, what are you doing? This is crazy. You don't run the third base, you run to first base, and he goes, we don't play like that. We play different. There's new rules. And when I learned the new rules, I got to tell you, the games were awesome. They were amazing. We didn't want to go back to the old rules. This is the problem. Peter was trying to play at first a game by the new rules, but then he got concerned that other people might be upset. So he goes back to the old rules, which means he went back and put on an old jacket. He went back and put on an old identity. He did not keep the new identity in Christ. And Paul called him out on it because he wasn't having it anymore. Do you ever wonder what Paul would call you out for because of the identity that you put back on after you took the identity of Christ. And I don't know if you guys have been listening through these messages, but I hope that you understand one thing. I'm trying to remind you of the priority of Christ as your identifying marker in your life. And I know some people think I get a little angry with it. I'm not angry. I'm passionate about it. Don't be confused. I'm passionate that people who find Jesus stay in Jesus. I'm anxious that people who shed their old identities to be made new in Christ. It is my hope that they will live in the newness that Christ has given them. Why not? Why do you want to go back to the old thing? You've been given a new life, a new identity, a new purpose, a new hope, even a new name. Why would you go back to the old one? I think Paul makes it very clear, I'm jumping to Colossians now, but I think Paul makes it very clear in Colossians chapter 3 where he says, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. In this new life, oh, and I like this, in this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave, or free. There's a reason for that, right? Christ. Christ is all that matters. And he lives in all of us. These are the implications that mean that the false binary of us versus them, that the world would have us live by simply do not exist if we choose to live like Christ, if we choose to live in the shadow of the cross, if we choose to take on that label and that name for ourselves, if we put on that jacket or the robe of Christ, I don't care what you want to call it, why would you go back to a different kind of rules? Why would you play the other game when a new one has been given to you and one that you know you can win because Christ is our already won it for you. I guess I say this because the practical application of this in our lives means that we don't get to act like other people. We don't get to spar with other people like the rest of the world does. We have to love in a different way. We have to try and understand in a different way. And certainly, we don't all have to agree on everything, but we have to agree on one thing, and that is Christ is all, and Christ is over all, and that means we have to find some common ground. And that's gonna be hard for some of us because we have been so, man, we've been so embedded in our own opinions, so embedded in the way that we think the world should be that we have forgotten that there is a way that Christ thinks the world should be. And when people see the way that Christ thinks the world should be in us, then they know we're playing a new game. They know we've put on a new robe. They know we've taken on a new nature. Again, you picked the metaphor. But you know this, when people see that in us, that term Christianity is the verdict that the world places on us. and We can bear that burden when we're in Christ. But we cannot, if we step out of the shadow of the cross, and try and do this ourselves. And we're, we're honing in on this for the next several weeks. Why? Because it is so important that we understand the basic tenets of Christianity. Paul said it, Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. If Christ is all that matters, what do you spend your time doing? If Christ is all that matters, what rules will you live under? Will it be us versus them or us and him? Will it be together or apart, inclusive or exclusive, right and left, or Christ is central? Where does your identity lie? Where are you going to be giving your focus, your love, your hope, your joy, your attention? Christ doesn't demand a little. He demands everything because He gave everything. So there are implications to using that word Christian. And how do we do it? We put a crosswalk on our shirt, hoping that people understand that we're part of something, part of a church. I think I've got my my T-shirt on today. Or we put a bumper sticker on our car, or we put a fish on our car, or we put something that says, hey, I think a little bit differently. I wanna live a little bit differently. I wanna love a little bit differently. If you're going to wear the brand, then you've got to live with the implications. And you can. That's the beauty of this. You can. Because Christ is the one that empowers us to do this. Christ is the one that gives us the hope, that gives us the joy, that gives us the the motivation and the momentum to live this way, to love this way, to be like him. And the beauty is, he's never asked you to do it perfectly. He's just asked you to continue down that long road of obedience towards him, not towards a law, but towards love. That's what he's calling us to today. That's what he called Peter and Paul to two thousand years ago. That doesn't change. So we say it's a burden, but the burden is easy and the yoke is light, right? When it's in Christ. And I have a tendency to believe that that's where you want to be or else you wouldn't be watching today. You wouldn't be invested in a faith community somewhere. This is, this is how you want to live your life. I'm encouraged by that. And I see hope for the world through you. We have to be convicted that we don't get to do and act and say and be the way everyone else is because Christ has called us to something better. Christ has called us to something greater, God. Christ has called us to something more that He may be seen in us. That's your call today. That's your mission today, that people might see Christ in you. Let's bow our heads. Lord, may we be like Paul, not Peter, in this instance. Sometimes we need to be like Peter with that much momentum and passion. But Lord, today in this story, may we be like Paul, never being confused about our identity. Lord, the beauty of this story is also that you brought Peter back in. You had to bring him back in again and again. And you did this time as well. You can bring us in if we've forgotten this. But Lord, may we be Paul's today. Lord, may we remember that the boundaries that are created in this world have disappeared in your kingdom. And that is why they began to call them Christians at the very beginning, because they needed a new name. And that new name had implications. It meant that we create communities of belonging where everyone is accepted. So Lord, let us not eliminate ourselves from those communities by buying into an old kind of rules. But may we live in you. But we're going to need your strength to be able to do that, to be able to stay. We're going to need your stick to to be able to be here. So Lord, give us that strength. Give us that courage. And give us that momentum. Pray these things in your holy name, Lord. the name of Jesus.